The following audio is from Hope Hill Church. To learn more about Hope Hill Church, please visit hopehillchurch.org. So, John chapter 6, if you're with us uh, new, we want to welcome you. Um, we started the study uh, several months ago, and we are working our way through the Gospel of John. And today we're going to kind of look at the information that happens between chapter 6 and chapter 7. Uh, for those of you who have scripture journals, uh, the thing that's really cool about that is there's every other page is blank and you can take notes. But the thing that is not so great is you're missing the rest of the Bible. Uh, basically, John is one snapshot of the life of Christ. We have the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And so in between John chapter 6 and John chapter 7, there's a span of time that unfolds and a lot of what happens is captured in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And what's really cool about the passage there is that we get to see Jesus have community group with the disciples. In many ways, it's during this time that he is withdrawn. He is spending time teaching them deeper truths and deeper lessons. And we see John chapter 6 happen at the Passover. That happened in the springtime for the Jews. And the next time we see John and John chapter, I mean Jesus in John chapter seven, is at the Feast of Booths, which happens in October. So we've got a, a little bit of time that happens. And, and what does Jesus do then? Well, one of the greatest things captured in the book of John is John chapter three, I believe verse twenty-two, where it says, "And Jesus withdrew and spent time with his disciples." Now you could just easily read past that and say, "Okay, that's kind of trivial." Uh, Let me get to the next big miracle or the next big sign. But the amazing truth about this is that Jesus spent time with us. And in the same way, we are called to spend time with him and one another. The word for spent time in that passage is diatribo. And if you were to look at it correctly translated, it actually means to have friction or to rub off on. So can you imagine? Have you ever, like, hung out? What do you call it? rubbing elbows with, right? You ever heard that phrase? Jesus came to rub off on us, to to spend time with us. Um, Discipleship was not just some program at a synagogue for an hour a week. It was living life together. So I hope you see the theme kind of unfolding before us today. And I'm going to take you a little deeper and show you the importance of this Diatribo, this, the importance of us spending time with one another and going deeper with one another. If you remember back to John chapter 6, we had Jesus' invite going out, drawing people deeper in. And what we've been seeing when it comes to Jesus is, as you get to know Jesus, one of two things happens. Either you kind of check out and say, you know what, all those signs were cool, the water and the wine, the healing a guy. That was all really cool, but the whole, if you love me, obey my commands, and the whole, you think you're the only way to God, and now you're claiming to be God, I'm not quite sure I want to go that far with you. But that's, in a sense, Jesus is doing. In John chapter 1, Jesus said to those who were on looking, come and see. Come and look at who I am. Come and listen to the message I bring. Come and look at the great works I'm going to do. I want to invite you to come and see. But by now, it's come and eat. And for that, that message was a little too 
crazy sounding. Uh, early early uh, uh, critics of the church said, you know, that, that Christian stuff, they're kind of into camp, cannibalism. They talk about eating body and drinking blood. This is not for us. Completely missing what Jesus was all about. But Jesus, in essence, was saying, unless your life is all about consuming who I am, my love for you, my teachings for how you are to live life, then you will miss the whole life that I've intended. I created. We were made for him and by him so that we would live life with him and in him. Uh, I quoted somebody, I forget the name, last week, and he talked about our life in Christ should be like the air we breathe. We are in this room, and there is air in this room. We are in the air, and as we breathe, the air is in us. In the same way as the life growing in Christ. We are in Christ, in his presence, in his love, and as we breathe in, as we breathe in who he is, as we breathe in the moving of his spirit, Christ is in us as we are in him. And this is the deeper journey that Christ calls us to. And so look at, uh, just real quick, a picture of what happens when those lines get drawn. In John chapter 6, verse 60, it says, On hearing this, the deeper teachings, they had just seen Jesus, you know, make bread out of a few uh, small loaves, and he fed over 5,000. They had just seen him heal somebody back in Jerusalem uh, at the temple near the pool of Bethesda. They had heard about the water being turned into wine. They were drawn to the signs. They wanted to see the next latest and greatest sideshow. But Jesus then says plainly to them, this whole backdrop of Passover and you're remembering Moses and you're remembering God leading the people out of Egypt and through the wilderness, you're, you're reflecting and remembering how God provided manna. I'm here to tell you that I'm not here to give you bread. I am the bread. I am the bread that's been sent from heaven. And if you eat of me, you will never be hungry again. If you drink of what I have to offer, streams of living water, you will never thirst again. And many of them, on hearing this, many of the disciples, what's a disciple? A follower, a student, someone who has uh, said, you know, that's the kind of person I want to model my life after. I'm going to follow in their footsteps. I'm going to learn of their ways. I'm going to try and understand the way they live life, the way they handle struggles. Many of his disciples said, this is a hard teaching. How many have ever heard something from the Bible that was a hard teaching? Anybody? Okay, two of you. Okay, a few more. Okay, that's good. There are a lot of hard truths. Sometimes those truths that we hear from God, they clash with the way that we live. And so many of the disciples, these followers, these students, not to be confused, um, a lot of us think of disciples, we think of how many? Typically, we think of 12. There were literally hundreds, if not thousands of people who considered themselves disciples of this new guy. Hey, my disciple turns water into wine. I mean, my, 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 the guy I'm a disciple of, he performs miracles. He, he does all these great things. But when the rubber meets the road and the teaching gets a little more difficult, they're not sure they can follow it. And so many turn away. Verse 61. 
Verse 60, this is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? 61, aware that his disciples were grumbling about this, Jesus said to them, does this offend you? Then what if you, what if I were to just up and leave? What if I, I, the Son of Man, were to ascend to where I came from before? The Spirit gives life, and this flesh stuff that you're all concerned about, it counts for nothing. Instead, the words that I've spoken to you, the words that I have taught you, they are full of spirit and life. And yet, there are some of you that do not believe. For Jesus had known from the beginning which of them did not believe and who would betray him. And he went on to say, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless the Father has enabled him. And then look at John 6, 66. From this time, many of the disciples turned back and no longer followed him. So the teaching got deeper. The people were kind of pierced to the core. They want the Jesus, the sign performer, but not the Jesus who says, if you love me, obey my commands. Not the Jesus that says, I give life. I am the judge. I am the bread, eat of me. Many thought he was a lunatic. C.S. Lewis says, Jesus, in order to make the claims he made, was either a liar, a lunatic, or Lord. And so, huge crowd leaves. Many of the disciples turn and no longer follow him. And those that are left, the 12, verse 67, Jesus turns to them and says, do you want to leave as well? He asked the 12. Simon Peter answered and said, Lord, where would we go? To whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. So Jesus takes this next several months. There's a few miracles. Uh, Mark captures him feeding another crowd of about 4,000 plus people. But a lot of the settings now from here till uh, we see him again in John chapter 7 are more intimate. Him spending time, him, him telling his disciples during these next months, you know why I've come? I've come to die on the cross. And if you really want to learn to follow me, you don't just need to eat of me and be consumed by me and love me and obey my commands, but you also need to be willing to pick up your own cross, to die to yourself and to follow me. He draws them in even deeper. That's what community groups are about. That's what our classes are about. Not just coming and being a part of the crowd that gathers on a Sunday morning, an hour a week, but getting away having diatribo with one another, rubbing off on one another, rubbing off on the hard truths and the hard teachings of the word, diving in deeper, praying for one another, celebrating life's wins with one another, journeying together in that deeper walk with God. It was never God's intention to develop a religion where we would check a box one hour a week by gathering together to sing a few songs and to hear a few words taught but to live life together. As we begin to dive deeper in, we will see our own life begin to be transformed and changed as the disciples saw that transformation happen inside of themselves. And my encouragement is for those of you that have not yet joined a community group, that 
you would do just that. And when you go a step further, I know some of you are in groups. My encouragement would that you would be able to find maybe um, two or three others in your group that you can go even deeper with. Reveal your struggles, your hardships, your sins. Pray for one another to lift each other up, hold each other accountable. Here's a little video to give you a snapshot of what something like that could look like. One aspect of our missional community is disciple making. That looks like twice a month, every other week, we get together and we um, read and study the Bible. And so it's been a really cool process of finding out more about each other took time to really just open up and share our lives because we had met each other present day and we knew each other well as friends where we were at currently but we really wanted to take the next step as family and in order to love and serve each other as best as we could we needed to know where everyone had come from we assessed as a group what commitments we wanted to make to each other one of those commitments that we made is that we would all be in the word on a regular basis individually but that we would also come together and study the bible together on a regular basis we put on paper literally and signed our names and committed to each other for um, what things we would stand for going on mission living as family and disciple making as we were um, growing and shaping and trying to take the next steps and learning um, about each other we really kind of hit a point where we needed to go deeper but we weren't exactly sure and the disciple making portion of our missional community is really what helped us go to the next level we opened up um, as individuals and we shared ourselves where we were at presently where we had come from but also our hopes of where we were to go and we're able to go on mission together because we have the disciple making portion in our missional community so every week we meet uh, for about an hour, hour and a half on Thursday mornings, primarily because we don't want to take away from the family time on a, on a Tuesday night when our missional community gathers. So the guys, we meet uh, Thursday mornings for coffee, and we just talk through four basic questions, parenting, prayer, scripture, and purity. We just press into each other's lives uh, and just make sure that we're held accountable to what we say. So it's a place where we can be known, and we, it's, a, it's a place of trust. And it's a time that we set aside specifically for the guys because we believe there are certain conversations that uh, are specific to guys. We, we build into our schedule for us to meet on uh, separate times. And that way, um, when we are out on mission, that's, that's a specific time where we're dedicated to the mission. And when we're, when we're meeting guys with guys, like that's a dedicated time. So I would encourage you as you build out your missional community, to put this at the top priority, make this a regular thing where you guys are praying, studying the scriptures, and taking action. At the end of our service today, I'm going to encourage you to consider signing up for one of our existing classes or groups. Uh, and if one of those don't work and you're interested in possibly starting a new one, we'd love to hear from you as well. The importance is coming together, spending time with one another. The book of Hebrews was written to a group of new Christians in, in Africa. And they're encouraged in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 and 25, to come together often to encourage each other and spur one another on to good deeds. And to not forsake the assembly as others have done, 
but to keep meeting together often. In the beginning of the church, after Jesus first left and left his disciples behind to continue the work that he started, Acts chapter 2 unfolds and tells us the story of the very first day that the church really formed. And it wasn't about building a building on a corner and enrolling in one hour of class, but it was learning to live life together. Look at the picture, the snapshot, if you will, with me. Acts chapter 2, verse 38 and following, I'll read to you. But to give you some background again, um, Jesus said uh, there's a big festival coming. Jesus had a way of showing up and rocking everybody's world at festival time. The festival was Pentecost. People from Africa and Asia and Europe were all traveling in. People speaking all different languages, all different cultures and backgrounds. And Jesus intentionally wanted the church to be able to be launched that day and spread out to the ends of the earth. And there he equips by the power of the Holy Spirit these disciples, some of them to be able to speak languages they had not yet previously known. And the hearers heard in their own language. The message that was proclaimed was the gospel, that Jesus had come, that he had lived a perfect life, that he had said he was the only way to the Father, and at the end of his life, he laid down his life as a sacrifice for us and to pay for our sins on the cross. But it didn't end there. Three days later, he rose again, victorious over sin and death, and that anyone who would put their hope and trust in him as Savior and Lord could become a child of God. Those who were listening decided to turn from their own way of life, to turn from their sin, to turn from trying to live life appeasing God in their own way. And it says in verse 38, Peter replied to them, Repent and be baptized. Baptism is a symbol of us identifying ourselves with the one who died in our place. The Bible says that when we are baptized, we identify with Jesus' death, being buried under the water, and his burial and resurrection, being raised to walk a new life. The Bible says to repent and be baptized, to believe and be baptized. Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will then receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. As, and this is a promise for you and for your children and for those who are far off, for all whom the Lord God will call. With many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. I'm excited to invite you back next week as we're going to celebrate new life through baptism for those who have recently given their heart to Jesus. And we hope that you come. It'd be one day great to see 3,000 baptized at once, but I'm happy to see even just one. And next week we'll see a few together. They were putting their hope and faith and trust in the message that was being proclaimed. And they were then giving their lives to Jesus and being baptized. But you know what? That wasn't the end of it. It wasn't enough just to, okay, I believe and I accept Jesus. I'm baptized. Now I'll go on about my life. Look at what they decided to do from that day forward. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings, to fellowship with one another, to breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs that were being performed by the apostles. 
all of the believers were together and had things in common with one another. They sold property and possessions and gave to one another as there was need. Every day, how often? Every day, they were rubbing off on one another, diatribing with one another. Every day, they continued to meet together temple in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. The walk of a Christian is to walk life with one another, to be in community with one another. Look at the things that they did together. They devoted themselves to teachings. We have classes. We want to teach you the deeper truths of God's word, of, of what it means to be a Christian. They came together and had fellowship. They enjoyed life together. They went and to the ball games together, whatever who, whatever games there were back then. They, they lived life together, enjoying one another's company. They broke bread, both in, through communion and in sharing meals with one another in their homes. They were praying over each other. We offer prayer on Sunday mornings, but in a home, when you really have time to bear your soul and to call and ask brothers and sisters in Christ to pray over you, it's so much better, so much deeper. And my encouragement is that you would embrace this. They saw the works of God being performed among them. They cared for one another. They praised one another. And there was evangelism taking place. It wasn't just about we're the proud, the few, the saved. They were having people added to their number daily, those who were being saved, because they were living the life of Christians. They were sharing the message that was transforming them, and they were seeing others transformed as well. This is the life of the church. Church is not something we go to. It's who we are. In a community group, in a discipleship environment, is something that's not optional. Jesus took time to withdraw and to spend time pouring into his disciples. And this should still continue on today. When it does, we start to see our whole lives transformed and become what God wants us to be. I have a story I want you to see of a couple in our church who discovered this journey. Not just checking a box and going to a service one hour a week, but discovering this life-transforming power that God invites us in to be a part of a bigger work, bigger than ourselves, to serve, to be saved, to be baptized, to give back to others, and to see God change our lives. Check out their story. So I was first invited to Hope Hill Church for the big inauguration. And at first I was hesitant because Al was going to be out of town that weekend, and I really didn't want to go without him. But Colette sent me another reminder and said, perhaps you didn't read my first invitation. Decided to go with the girls, um, our two daughters, Jalene and Jelena, and they were really upset with me because I had them get all dressed up, not knowing what to expect. I got dressed up too. To our surprise, we got there and everyone was so laid back. Service was awesome. Every bit of it was amazing. And my concern leaving was, will my daughters want to come back? Are they going to still be upset? Or are they going to be thankful that it's all over? And um, to my surprise, the first thing that um, our oldest said to me was, so next week when we come back, can I wear jeans and flip-flops? <laughs> so my immediate response was, jeans, yes. Flip-flops, absolutely not. <laughs> you know, when we 
been out of the church for several years. Uh, we were used to just going to church, Catholic church, and, and going through the norm. Uh, but we started going to Hopeful Church, and, and it turned so much more than just do the step-by-step routine of going and, and completely join the church and involved and see a thing when the church was born. Uh, we had talked about being baptized, but we really never had discussed it previously. Because uh, I, I, I've been saved. I came to know God. I think I told this at one time to Pastor John that I've never felt this close. I've never been this close to God in my entire life. You know, that's, that's how churches and what it's done for me and my family. I would describe my relationship with Christ kind of lukewarm convenience as I grew closer in my relationship with Christ and uh, really distinguishing right from wrong and just having my eyes fixated on Christ and having my eyes wide open, my ears open to to really discern what I truly should be following. And that took some time. It's it's easy to say that I am saved, and sometimes it's a little harder to follow through. Well, I received a phone call, uh, the worst phone call a mother could ever receive, and it was my daughter. She had just been in a tragic car accident. And she was being rushed to the hospital. She called me from the ambulance. And I left my work as soon as possible. And my husband, he had already left. And the first thing I thought to do was start praying. And I texted John, Pastor John, and, and TJ immediately. And just asked that they please lift my daughter in prayer because I didn't know how bad it was. And as soon as I got to the hospital, I was receiving text messages from from Pastor John asking for updates and um, asking how she was doing. And I didn't quite know how she was doing, only that as soon as I got there, the doctor assured us that her her injuries that she sustained weren't, um, weren't bad and she'd recover from them. Um, however, he had a little bit more to tell us because um, as, a, as a normal routine um, of someone who sustains a head injury, they do CAT scans, and some abnormality had been found in her um, CAT scan. Uh, so they did an MRI, and they found a, a brain tumor. I don't know, within minutes, I John texted me again and said, how's she doing? Is everything okay? And my response was, it's far worse than I could have ever, ever imagined. And, and now we really need prayer. By the time we made it back home, Pastor John and TJ had already made it to our house and just came there to be with us and pray with us and just hold our hands through this terrible news and the days to come, which were filled with lots of exams, um, a biopsy, and uh, just a whirlwind of tests. And, and they were there at the hospital with us and waiting for the surgery to finish and just, just there praying. The ensuing surgery biopsy that, that was was done, uh, Pastor John was there the entire time, uh, and that just goes to show how important the people 
us, not only in our family, but other families as well, where, where other families have gone through tragedies, and, and the church is there they, every step of the way. And it's just, it's, it's, it's amazing to see what, what God's doing through our whole church. Just the response that we've gotten from people that we barely know that have come to just lift us in prayer and surround us with love and, and bring us meals. It's just compelled us and served as a great example for us to, to want to do more and give more and, and be missional and, and serve in, in some of the ministries that we've served in and we're currently serving in. And that in and of itself has been an amazing blessing and a lesson for us. We, we had discussed that, that maybe uh, sometime joining a, a community group, and I was reluctant at first. We didn't know what it was about. It's like we, we wanted it, you know, and so we became part of a group, and then that group got a little, a little larger, so we split off, and then we talked about that we would eventually want to host our own group, because uh, we saw what it did, we saw what it did to families, to us, and how close it brought us together, and how close to God it would it, 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 it brought us, so eventually we, we, we were able to host our own group, and it's just been, it's been awesome, it's like we Tuesday when, when our group uh, meets, it's like you're, you're ready, ready for the day to be over, you want to go and, and, and meet with your group and love on God and just love on each other and help each other, it's just, it's awesome. That's what we look forward to, yes. so we're eager to get home and, and get everything set up and, and just dive right in, and I can't even tell you how rewarding it is that, that it's happened here in our home, what an awesome blessing. start walking that door immediately and I get to hug everybody and and I feel that reciprocation of love and that's just awesome and special and to be able to do that on Tuesdays and on Sundays too that's, that's pretty fierce all I know is that I found myself with just an appetite for more for a better understanding and, and really diving deeper as I grew to, to know Christ and the closer I got, the more I want to know, and the more involved I want. And, and now I just want I want people to, to know and to see that in me and see see Christ in me and, and serve as, as an example for others. I've never been and felt this close to God. Never. It's just what it does for me is just I cannot describe it. It's just it's loving. I need it, and, and I know that my walk with God is going to continue, and it only gets stronger. Uh, I love, I love the transformation that I've I've seen in the lives of my, my my family members, my husband, and and the changes that I've seen in my own personal life, and, and I just know that that's God's work, just working within us and working in the lives of my family and it's just it's been an amazing journey I've learned to live this amazing life 
That's awesome what God does in us and through us and how he's really faithful to serve you all the time. We love you and we're grateful for what God is doing through you. For those of you who have not yet dove in, uh, we want to challenge you. So if you have this paper, I want you to take it out. During this time of reflection and response, I want you to think through uh, and, and shut out the excuses. You know, I just don't have time. Uh, people are weird. Yes, people are weird, but we make time for what's important. And uh, my encouragement is that you give it a try. Uh, even if you just do the month of October, give it a try. And uh, just take that challenge. Uh, most of our groups, a lot of them are operating now, but uh, if you want to wait and kind of kick off with uh, the new season, we're kind of doing a semester at a time, so you'll have a break around the holidays, and then you can re-engage the second half. Uh, the classes will run also kind of semester-based, so you can have time to check things out and see what it's all about. But we want you to really consider doing that. So pull out this paper, write your name on the top of it somewhere, on the side of it, so we can read it, get you signed up, and then circle whatever class or group uh, that you think you'd like to check out. And we can have a kind of a sign-up and start going. And you can sign up next week if you want to take this home and think about it, talk about it with your spouse or your family. Uh, and if you're interested in maybe starting a group, hey, let us know. We'd love to see something for you to start up. So do that. The next thing I want to encourage you with is if you're here today, we're not trying to get you involved in a program or some religious activity. We want you to know that there is a God who wants a relationship with you. And he exists in our relationships with one another as well. And if you've never made a decision not to join a class, not to join a group or join a religion, if you've never made a decision to have a personal relationship with a God who made us and loves us, that's the first step. The Bible tells us that if we believe in our heart that God sent his son Jesus who died on a cross for us in our place, who took our sins on us to offer us in exchange his forgiveness. If you have never called out to him from your mouth and said, thank you for doing that, come into my life and be my Lord, then I encourage you to do that today. If you believe in your heart that Jesus died for you, confess him as Lord, you will be saved. You'll become a child Father God, I thank you for your love. I thank you for the way that you move through us and in us and transform us and then use us to reach others. And I pray for those in this room who may not know you or have never invited you in, that they their first step today would be to say, Jesus, I do want you. I turn from my own way of living life. I invite you to come in. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. Thank you for saving me. Come in and make me your child. I want you to be my Lord. And I also pray for those in this room who know you as Lord and Savior. They're kind of living life on their own, or they're just kind of going through the motions. I pray that you would bring us uh, to experience new life, fuller life, living life deeper with you and deeper with one another, becoming the disciples that you want us to be. So challenge us. Holy Spirit, lead us. Help us to yield to you. In your name we pray. Amen. Our worship team is going to lead us, and during this encourage you to remember that this is all possible because of what Jesus did for us. By going to the cross, in his last meal, he took bread and wine.
and he took the bread and he broke it. And he said, as often as you get together and you eat this, remember my body broken for you. And as often as you take of this cup, remember my blood shed for you. In the four corners of our room, we have uh, communion baskets. And that's where we invite you. For those of you who are saved, uh, are saved, who are part of the family of God, to come forward and take a piece of bread and dip it in that cup as an act of worship and remembrance for what Jesus did for you. We also use this time to give back to God out of the blessings he's poured into our life. On each table is an empty basket where we can give back out of our, 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 our finances that God has blessed us with. The scriptures say to give back honor God with our tithes and our offerings. And for those of you that consider Hope Hill Church your home, thank you for the way that you're investing into God's fruitfulness and for your community. Let's pray and respond as God leads us. God, move on us now. Lead us to take whatever next step it is that you're leading us to take, to join a group, to join a class, to become a part of a discipleship relationship with others that you've put in our life. Thank you, Jesus, for leading us. Now help us to respond. In your name we pray. Let's stand and worship and respond as God leads. If you want anything to pray with anyone, come on up front. We'll pray with you. I'm up here. If you want to talk about baptism, come on up. We'll talk real quick. Let the Holy Spirit lead us through this time.